I'm Adam Bishop, and you're listening to the Office Print Visionaries podcast, the show where we go behind the scenes with IT teams who are looking for a different way to deliver print. My guest today is Joe Sassente, Site IT Services Analyst at Mars. Joe tells me what it's like to work in IT when your core business is making chocolate, pet food, and a host of other food products, and then a global pandemic hits. And once IT have got on top of that, how do you get everyone on the same page to start thinking about an IT project to modernize print? Factories, offices, global locations, Joe's got all of the challenges. Joe talks us through his approach and some of the challenges he's faced. So Joe, really pleased to have you on the show. Nice to be here. Nice to be here. Um, do you want to give us a bit, of a, a bit of a background on you, a bit of a background on the organization? I, I think it's a company just about everybody knows, but it would be interesting to understand more about your role and, and a bit more about what, what actually happens inside, inside an organization like Mars. Yeah. So I've been with the business uh, roughly 13 years, most of my adult life. Um, and I've grown up inside of the IT, uh, the IT silo. Uh, specifically, I started in and still am in uh, site IT, site support. Uh, so those are the people who are boots on the ground, dealing with customers every day, fixing problems. And that's about it. Um, Recently, we've kind of restructured our our uh, site IT group, um, so we're much more um, cerebral in our thinking. So, uh, break fix is still part of what we do, and we have a lot of people who are involved with that daily. Um, but we're trying to partner now more with the business to give them better, like overarching solutions instead of just uh, um, tactical deployments and things like that. Um, yeah, so uh, Mars is a, a business that is most well-known probably for their chocolate products, but Mars actually has their fingers in, in a lot of everything. Um, so we make uh, pet food. We, we have pedigree. I don't know if you can see that over there. Um, <laughs> uh, as well as Royal Canin and several other uh, major pet brands. Uh, food with um, Ben's Originals and and other um, some other food brands. Um but uh, yeah, we, we all come together under this uh, privately owned umbrella uh, that is Mars with a single uh, unifying culture. And so in terms of the organization underneath, you guys, you've got people in kind of typical sales and marketing roles, but you've also got manufacturing, you've got R&D, like Mars is a, it's a whole organization built around food products, right? It is. Um, in fact, we have an entire segment that is focused focused on uh, research and development. If you, uh, we actually mapped the cocoa geome a few years ago um, and have started developing products based around that. So you've got users, I guess, with all kinds of different, different kind of requirements, different things when they're, when they're thinking of office services and they're thinking of IT, they must be coming to you with all kinds of different stuff. Um, yeah, uh, the never boring day. <laughs> Give us some sense of the scale, just for the for the listeners. Like, I guess everybody knows Mars a little bit, but give us some sense of your your organization scale. Um, sure. So we have over a hundred thousand employees. Uh, we're a global um, a global entity, so we have uh, manufacturing and offices on every major continent except that Antarctica. Uh, although there may be products there, <laughs> there's probably no <laughs> offices there. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, if you go to your local grocery store, you're going to find a Mars product and you probably are purchasing more than you realize. 
Yeah, undoubtedly. Okay. And so so try and help us understand the role of IT in an organization that that big. So you're presumably the operations are running 24-7 in almost every country that you're that you're based in. So so how does IT set out a strategy to support that? So uh, like I said, we kind of moved from a more tactical uh, approach, at least inside IT. So IT is organized in, in different uh, silos to do different things. And we kind of work together. Silo is a bad word nowadays, actually. <laughs> We're more of a, a, a group of uh, IT professionals aiming at uh, similar goals. Um, and uh, we're trying to execute at like 100x is our is our terminology right now. So 100 times speed. Um, basically, the mentality is that, um, you know, if, if it takes me two years to develop and deploy something, uh, then that's two years wasted. Uh, if we can get uh, some sort of pilot or demo or 90% of the functionality, say within the first six months, we should mm -hmm. be aiming to try and hit that uh, and then add on what makes it complete near the end. Uh, so much more agile way of thinking, uh, less waterfall approaches. If you got, if, for those of yeah. you out there who are, who are, <laughs> Project managers are familiar with those terms. Terms. Um, and and yeah. so, uh, how, how does that manifest itself for uh, for IT teams? So, I think it's clear to set a big strategy that says we're going to go faster, but th presumably that's somewhat uncomfortable initially. Like, okay, how do I change my approach? How do I change my thinking to just go make everything go much faster? <laughs> it is. Uh, there's there's major changes that have to occur. Uh, at all levels of the organization to kind of accommodate that. Um, and I, I would be lying if I said we've figured it out. Um, I'm probably not the person to say whether we have or haven't figured it out, honestly. We probably want to talk to someone much higher up in the food chain for that. Um, however, from a, a boots on the ground perspective, someone who is very close to what we do on a daily basis, um, I'd say that we've mostly uh, got a working model now. Um, and Basically, it starts and ends with a, a user-centric approach uh, where we're, we're meeting with the users uh, and we're working with them to build the solution. Um, in IT of old, you would collect all of the data up front and you would kind of just uh, uh, build your solution based on maybe some of those first touch points and then come back to them at the end with, hey, this is what I've built for you to accomplish your tasks. Uh, now we're much, uh, the, the user is as involved as we are, and we're, we're kind of driving forward together. Um, and, and so that kind of that deployment model, presumably agility is high on the list. And I, I'm kind of already in my head, I'm linking that to cloud. Is that a fair assumption? That is a fair assumption. So we are definitely cloud first nowadays. And, and that's a mindset across IT now, like looking at where do we still have on-premise stuff and what can we move to the cloud? What can we move to the cloud, uh, consolidate? Uh, we're, we're using it as a cloud. For, we have a cloud for a strategy. So we want to put as much as we can in the cloud, um, but only when it makes sense, right? Um, you can't put everything in the cloud, um, although we are getting very close to that. Um, it's, a, hear, it's a balancing act. <laughs> I, I hear pretty consistently from customers that print is like the last thing to go to the cloud because... Print is an inherently on-site service. You've got these boxes in the offices. How how did you come across a, a print project? What what made made you guys think about print in the cloud? And, and kind of how did you how did you build out that vision? Yeah, so uh, print and file file uh, file servers are probably the 
two, <laughs> and they kind of go hand in hand to go into the cloud last. Um, so the, the reason I, I started seeking out a cloud printing solution was because we, in the past, didn't really have a good owner for that solution. Um, we offered a, a unified file and print structure, um, which offered a, basically a standard Windows print services just dangling off of a file server. Um, and that was great for some people, but most sites found it inadequate. So they would end up deploying their own bespoke solutions. Um, and so now we're in this environment where here, say in New Jersey in our Hackettstown office, uh, we have uh, we have Streamline deployed, um, but down in Brazil, they have a totally different uh, solution deployed for follow me printing and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, then they're, they're everywhere. So <laughs> it's impossible to fully manage and support. So under those, the those local IT decisions made in country yeah. by country, like we built a business case, we think we can fix something here. Exactly. It would be a, either a local IT decision or even facilities it would say, okay, we're buying Rico printers. And with Rico comes the streamline Follow me, print. So that's what we're going. That's what we're going to deploy, uh, and IT is going to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, we're we were really looking for something that could unify all of the solutions, remove the print servers locally, and provide an a printer agnostic solution, more or less. Um, and in, in terms of timing, it feels like that. You guys are still somewhat early in the cycle, I would say. I, I don't want to say you're bleeding edge, but but certainly large organizations like yourself, from what we've seen, it's it's been a real maturity curve, people taking time to get there. So did you find very quickly that you had solutions on offer that could do what you needed, or what was the research process like? So uh, the research process was pretty, pretty interesting because uh, I went to the enterprise architecture guys and I'm like, hey, I have this great idea and it would probably save us this much money if we could get rid of all of the file servers in the world <laughs> and just went to one, one uh, uh, cloud solution or software as a, a solution solution. That's a weird way of saying that. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, you could you you were able to physically kind of touch the business case or the or one side yeah. of the business case, saying, "I know how many servers we got. I know what this is costing us." Well, I didn't have an exact number, but I, I could guesstimate based on each site having at least one file server mm -hmm. to to manage. Um, beyond that, though, uh, I also actually got hit up by um, the business had started coming to me with the idea of bringing Max into the environment, something that would have been considered blasphemous just a, just a few years ago. Um, so we needed to come up with a way for them to print and Streamline didn't support it and Windows print queues were not reliable. Um, so we needed to not only come up with something that could consolidate all of these solutions, but also provide the end users with the ability to print from any device basically. Um, so when I went to enterprise architecture with this and I kind of kind of explained it to them, uh, their their faces kind of went blank uh, and they went, I figure it out and come back to us and we'll we'll talk about it more. Okay. Uh, so I kind of I kind of went to market and did some research. I think I talked to five or six uh, uh, different solutions. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we ended up setting, settling on everyone print, um, as you're aware. But uh, yeah. And so you guys build a plan where you kind of can see half of the business case. 
you kind of have this aspiration that, well, print, print and file servers have got to get themselves into the cloud and we're clear on that. Uh, and you've got this business pressure that says we can't keep such a, a consistent control over our device um, or the, the kind of the compute infrastructure. So you've got PCs, now you've got Macs coming. Are mobiles considered part of the corporate network or how does that stuff work? Yeah, mobiles are, are now they are part of the network anyway. Um, so there was a period of time when they were, uh, um, they were kind of separate, but now they're fully integrated. They're as much a Mars device as my primary laptop that I'm having this call on is. Okay. So. And so, so help me think through the kind of longer term strategy for print. How, how does that, how does that roll out? So you've got this kind of this agile approach where you're saying get things done in six months instead of two years. We need to move faster, like a hundred X. How do you go about cloud printing? Like what, what's the path for an organization your size? Uh, so we're still in the early phases of rolling out everyone print. Um, so it's hard to give you a, an idea of what a clear and concise plan would be. Um, but I can tell you that uh, since we're moving in a more agile direction, the, the project plan is just that it changes and it's kind of rough around the edges. So um, we're starting out with just uh, a few sites. So we have uh, the site I'm at today, which is MOC, our, our, our corporate office in New Jersey. Uh, I have a f several sites in Australia and a site in, um, in South Africa, each with different requirements. So we're going to be rolling out to at least one factory so we can get an idea of what it's like to, for the, fa uh, the factory users to use the mm -hmm. solution. We're going to be rolling out in an office, and we're also rolling out in some place that has people who are off-site all the time, so salespeople. Um, and so the idea is to kind of build these uh, personas of, of our end users and try and have at least someone who is representative of each one of those personas in the pilot phase. Um, and this way we can kind of get a, a, a good uniform idea of what a broad rollout will be. Uh, mm -hmm. And then once once we're done with that and we're under, we understand what that's all going to be like, uh, that's the phase where we put behind it like okay how do we support this for the full for the full rollout um so what what do the numbers look like for say server support and uh you know how quickly can we get it deployed out to everybody so we're, we're still in that first phase um and i think that's that's the kind of principle that probably boils down even if even if listeners are not managing a hundred thousand users understanding the kind of use cases and for you it's factory it's business it's r&d perhaps but but even in a smaller business understanding the, the kind of two or three key use cases and then a pilot that makes sure that those users are going to be satisfied um i, I think makes a lot of sense in it and is a sensible way to, to move faster in terms of a, a cloud services model presumably you can get rid of all of the management but is there is there a significant management burden for these print servers or do you do you see do you touch that so the print servers themselves once they're stood up they they don't have too much of a burden in terms of day-to-day -day support um however we do uh, because we're so large um we, we do outsource a lot of the uh the 
the regular maintenance of these device of these servers. So the existing print infrastructure, even though it doesn't affect associates all that much, we are paying per server for someone to make sure that all the Windows updates are applied, to make sure that the security settings are proper, uh, to ensure that it's backed up and it's uh, recoverable, uh, to do uh, planned outages becomes a lot more difficult when you have critical infrastructure on a server at a site. And if that site's going to go down for, say, a WAN upgrade, how many people are going to be affected for, by, uh, based on that? So there, there are a lot of hidden costs uh, associated to a file, a local server, a local file and print server, as compared to one that's out in the cloud that you know is always going to be up operational mm -hmm. and is automatically, if backed up, almost automatically backed up, <laughs> uh, can be scaled up and down as needed, all that stuff. And so in terms of the the kind of noise you get from users, so I, I often think that print is, it's almost disproportionately noisy, right? It's a core IT service, but if my laptop's not working, if my phone's not working, or if my printer's not working, like IT is going to hear about it. And yeah. so I guess that that's a big, a big win for you if you can you can lay out a strategy that avoids having those servers, that downtime. Totally. Uh, yeah, it, it really is. Um, print is one of those things that's, that's almost invisible to the business until it doesn't work. Uh, it's something that they don't think about. They think it's not, it's not cool. It's not sexy. It's, it's just one of those things that's a necessary evil for the business to have. Um, and they, they kind of expect it to always just be there. And the moment that it stops working, it's pandemonium. Um. <laughs> so, so how do you, I, I, think I, I think that makes a lot of sense what you're saying there. Like it's an invisible service. It's something that really no one's interested in. It's not sexy. Do you have a, is there a battle internally in terms of guys, this is a project we should take on versus, hey, there's a lot more sexy cloud tech out there that we could, could and should be dealing with? Like. Uh, I'm sure that you'd expect me to say that I'm getting some sort of pushback, but actually it's the opposite. I have people asking me every day uh, <laughs> if they can please join the pilot. We need this now. Um, they're, they're begging for the solution to be up and ready to go. Um, and I think that's mostly because the site ITs are done with it. And the people who I've demoed the solution to think it's pretty, pretty awesome. I just, it, as a quick example and aside, um, I just got off the phone a little earlier with our Intune, one of our Intune experts. Uh, mm -hmm. He was helping us get the last touches on the mobile application for everyone print dusted off before we started piloting that. Um, and he's over in Russia. Uh, and we had him install the app for us because I was, I was having some trouble with my iPad here. And he uh, installed it and he used it and he, I was like, okay, I'm going to send you a QR code so you can like send a print job to my local printer and he scanned it and the print job came out and I showed him over the, the video camera and he's like, oh, mm -hmm. this is really cool. He's like, this is easy to use. I like this. <laughs> he's like, I could see, I could see like sales really enjoying this, sending print jobs and then picking them up in the office two days later or whatever, whenever they get there. He's like, I could, I could see this really, really helping the business. And so wow. for for someone who is working on Intune, which is essentially like next generation device uh, management, mm. which is which is kind of sexy, at least it's sexy to the business, um, to to also be excited for printing is kind of interesting. I'm I'm almost hesitating to believe you. I think it's like a, a crazy <laughs> Russians thing or something. Like <laughs> I, I I struggle as a marketeer to to really make print look and feel sexy but it's it's interesting to hear that um 
that the business and that the sites are saying like we're ready like when you're ready to get this thing rolled out we're we're on board and we're moving yep. like do they do they see compromises in moving to the cloud do they see a concern around yeah there's some stuff we're missing but actually much less admin or how does that how does that balance out so the main concern that i'm getting from the site um isn't so much about missing out on features because they're going to, they're, they're assuming that if I vetted the solution, they're going to have a similar feature set, right? Mm -hmm. Which they are. Um, the main concern I'm hearing from local site IT and even some business people is around the WAN. So around SD, uh, around the, uh, the WAN's capability to, to manage print. Um, so in the past, it's always been assumed that you can't do print over the WAN because you're sending these huge document files back and forth mm. in raw format, right? Yeah. Um, nowadays, though, I mean, we, we have, you know, P uh, PostScript does a pretty good job of compressing down the files and, and things like that. So it's not that big a deal. Um, but really, that's, that's what I'm getting pushed. If I'm getting any pushback, it's on that. And it's basically overcoming that um, argument that, that helps me move it forward. And so it's it's really an architecture question around bandwidth, around just availability of resources, and hey, is print suddenly going to consume everything? Yes, exactly. Am I still going to be able to watch Netflix if if you guys are printing over the WAN? <laughs> but, but I think that's a pretty real concern, and I, I guess Mars is no different to almost any other business that you don't have just a whole bunch of pipeline lying around waiting for like capacity, waiting for for the business to use. It's like everyone's cutting their cutting their cloth kind of tight on that yeah. so presumably that's a a concern you have to work through in the pilots and make sure that as much as possible you're keeping jobs local and all that kind of stuff right yep yep and uh, everyone print does a good job of that because of the ability to uh, set the print jobs to local delivery so instead of pushing them out to the cloud they're actually delivered from my laptop straight to the printer uh, sort of like your local home printer would be um, so that that's a really nice feature that, that helps kind of sell it. And so I, I'm kind of, I think we've been, we've been talking for a while now and it's interesting to hear this, this vision that you're laying out, but I'm interested in the, the pandemic because the pandemic has happened right in the middle of since we've, we've known each other. So, mm -hmm. so what, what happened to the pandemic and in Mars, what were the impacts? How did it respond and, and does it matter? Does print is print an important factor in the pandemic, or is print something everyone could forget about for a bit? I don't think that print is ever anything that can be forgotten about totally. Uh, there are definitely a large swath of the user base that doesn't need print on a daily basis or can handle their personal print capacity at home, right? Mm -hmm. um, and those users, they just print local. It is it is what it is. So did, did that um, happen for Mars day one? Like you just sent everybody home as or oh, yeah. you could? Yeah. Oh yeah, as soon as the pandemic hit, uh, Mars was all about uh, safety. So we, we made sure that all the associates were safe, they were home, uh, no one was forced to come to the office uh, unless you were an essential worker in the factory. Um, mm -hmm. Within days of the pandemic being announced, uh, we had temperature sensors set up at each of the factory locations. Um, that's That was one of the major things that we had to kind of contend with was making sure everybody was safe and we had the right protocols in place. Um, from a IT perspective, in order to facilitate that, we were still using Skype as our primary communication tool when the pandemic mm -hmm. hit. We actually had to rush the transition over to Microsoft Teams uh, in okay. order to better facilitate the communication between 
associates from home. Mars is a culture of associates who get things done through each other. Um, so it, it's, it would be catastrophic for us to not be able to communicate with each other effectively. Um, so, so, so tell me about, tell me about a team's project under pressure. Like how did, did you guys manage to live your hundred X values on that? Like we did, we did. So pandemic hit in uh, February and by middle of March, we had deployed teams to nearly 100% of the population. So it was, it was like an overnight thing. Uh, and in order to deal with that change in that capacity, basically it was all hands on deck, right? So the end user services team did the deployment uh, and then site IT, my team, we took on the role of teachers. Uh, so we were holding digital uh, genius sessions, we, were called, we call them, because we're weird, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, we would hold these uh, mostly informal sessions where people could come into the call and we would teach them all the new features that teams had, the different things they could do beyond just regular like chat and meetings and, and mm -hmm. things like that. So they could really get some uh, benefit out of it. And so effectively in like six weeks, Mars is able to roll out a major IT project, pushing yes. everything into the cloud. Yes, we pushed, right. we pushed teams right up there. Uh, and then we actually also rolled out Zscaler. I don't know if you're familiar with that uh, around the same time. Uh, so uh, your traditional VPN, like uh, Pulse Secure or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, we had that already. However, you had to log into it when you were home and then hundred percent of your traffic at home would go over the Mars network, um, which is slow and inefficient for things that can go over the internet and stuff like that. Uh, Zscaler is an interesting technology in that it lets you do what's called a split tunnel. So only the required traffic goes over the Mars network and the remainder of it will go out over the internet. Um, so this way you can have like this call, this zoom call would happen over yeah. your local internet connection. And then if I needed to access a file server or something, I could, I could do that. Um, yeah, I could do that would still. feel like a VPN, right? I, okay. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so in that, in that world where you're rolling out relatively, well, I don't think that complex, at least from an end user point of view, but end user changing um, services and you're rolling them out in four to six weeks. And, and you've built out these kind of, these training models or what, what, what was it you called them? Like digital genius digital sessions. Genius sessions. Yeah. And I love digital genius. So, so, so the, the end user change, like what, what is the end user change experience? Like, are they, are they ready? Are they feeling like this is an easy change? We're just going to get on with it? Or is that quite a thing to handhold for IT? Uh, there are people who can, who pick up on these things right away. Um, so they'll, they'll jump right on board and, they love the new tool, whatever it may be. Uh, mm -hmm. And you're going to have people who are tempted to it, who just use it like they use the old tool and they aren't really willing to explore it. Uh, and then you have the people who, who stand fast. Uh, and those people who refuse to accept the change are the ones that usually require the most handholding to bring up to uh, everybody else. And that's not a bad thing, right? Uh, you want people to love the tools they had and you want people to understand them and be connected to them and feel like they know how to use them. Um, so it's only natural to have some resistance to a change, um, especially when you're going from something so technically simplistic. It's, Skype is just yeah. for for, commun for communication; it doesn't do anything else. So something that is essentially could be a hub of all of your work if you were if you really wanted it to be. So it was a drastic change. 
And so as I'm thinking with a bias for printing, like, do you see the printing change being a big and emotional change for users or kind of a smooth, hey, this just works, I don't even think about it? Uh, I'm hoping to make it as, as smooth as possible, right? Now, uh, everyone print does add a lot of functionality that the the average user wouldn't be used to dealing with, right? So the ability mm -hmm. to choose between local and pushing the jobs up through the gateway. Um, depending on the site you're at, whether we're going to have direct printing or pull printing, um, mobile application, the ability to print from your phone, these are all new things. So there is going to be a change process that we're going to have to follow in order to bring people along for the, for the journey and really help them to use the tools effectively. Um, but you're, I think the average person is going to be able to pick up on it pretty quickly. It's, it's simple enough and similar enough to what they were doing um, that I don't think it's going to be too hard of a, of a change. Um, and just to, uh, sorry, I was just going to say, just to, just to go back to the, the pandemic stuff real quick, uh, I had mentioned that there were a lot of people who were able to print, you know, and handle their print capacity from home, their personal print mm -hmm. capacities. That's not true for everybody, though. So in the Treasury and Benefits Center, uh, over the pandemic, from, from March until just May, they had printed over 100,000 pages on site. Um, so... If you have that much capacity, you still have to come in and print. There's no way that you're going to have that kind of printer yeah. at home. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so even if it's uh, the the and and this is confidential workloads too. We're printing we're printing legal documents uh, at this location. So it's it's not something that uh, um, it's not something that you would want to print at home or want to send to a Staples. You have to do it in a secure location. And so, so tell me about the future of home printing. Like, I think it's really interesting to have someone who's, who's thought about this kind of stuff. And the pandemic has, I think, shaken everybody in terms of, hang on, what does it mean to have home, like working from home? Hang on, is that like a Friday thing or is that a permanent thing? But what, what, is, what does that mean in the context of print? Um, well, I think in a lot of ways, it's going to reduce the amount of printing that we, we do as a society. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's there's a lot of times uh, in my career here where I can I can think about where I've printed things out to be delivered to someone else, um, uh, almost like uh, some holdover from a time before email. I needed to I needed to print this yeah. document and sign it and hand deliver it to someone. Uh, we're we're already basically done with that, right? That doesn't happen mm -hmm. as much anymore. Um, and I think that this is probably going to be the last push. And the only things that people are going to print at home going forward, excuse me, are going to be the documents that they need to either physically mail out to, say, a, a, a government agency <laughs> uh, or, yeah. or to, to someone else. It's going to be very, very light, minimal, minimalistic. Uh, and is I think that, that actually speaks to – I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, is that something that you guys want to have control over? So Mars is managing those endpoints or it's like, that's a home device. We don't need to touch that. We, we don't want to touch that. How, how do you feel about the future of home print? So from a, from a corporation standpoint, we don't control home printing right now. Um, mm -hmm. I could see security wanting to get fingers into it at some point and lock it down maybe a little bit, uh, lock it down further. Mm -hmm. Um there are tools out there that prevent you from forwarding an email. Um, those same tools also prevent you from printing that email. Um, so from a security perspective, rather than tackling it at the, 
level of you can't print any devices, anything from your device, they're more likely to tackle it from the individual file level. So um, those who are the owners of that data will be responsible for controlling the, uh, the security of that data. Okay, that makes sense. Like it's, it's just interesting to hear the different ways different organizations are thinking about solving that problem. You started to talk about security and you kind of referred to the security function as, hey, they're going to want to get their hands on that stuff. How, how do you think about security as you're moving a whole bunch of documents potentially to the cloud? Mm-hmm. What, are, what are the security concerns for you guys? Like are you full-blown zero trust, everything's in the cloud, including your authentication? Or, hey, we've still got pockets of like local AD stuff. Like how does security work uh, within the confines of what you can tell us publicly, right? Yeah. Um, security is a tricky one. So I'm trying. I'm just trying to think of what I can and can't say here because I don't want to ha- land myself into some hot water. Uh, <laughs> I can. I can say that Mars is a security first. Um, has a security first mindset, uh, mm-hmm. and everything we do uh, goes through security now. Um, and that wasn't always the case in the past, right? Um, security in the '90s and early thousands was a nice to have. Uh, in a lot of a lot of ways, and it was seen as that that thing that slowed you down, that might add some benefit that would be invisible to the end users in the future anyway. So why do it? Um, but <laughs> but uh, over the last, I'd say, six years, ten, eight years, um, not quite ten years, uh, security has really gone, come to the forefront of the business, and and now every project, regardless of scale, even if it's just a local deployment. Uh, goes through a security architecture review and a and a full enterprise architecture review as well. And so, with a is that a function you're talking to early when you say, "Hey, I'm thinking about putting all this stuff in the cloud." Like, is it a big red flag, or no? We get it, but these are the kind of guide rules, and this is how you're going to have to do that. Exactly. It's it's more of like the second the latter part. So they they set they don't set guidelines; they set strict rules. <laughs> um, but they also uh, uh, their understanding that that is the direction that the business is moving in, right? Um, it's not, it's not core to manufacturing dog food or, or chocolate for us to have printers on site. So, mm-hmm. the the value that we're adding by having the infrastructure in place to support that, it, it's minimal at best, and moving it to the cloud makes a lot of sense. I think that that's that's interesting. I've heard that from a couple of customers already on on this process where people are saying like print print is either it's essential to the office or print is like it's something we wish would go away and it's not core to certainly not core to IT. Right. Like from an IT perspective it's a service that they just want delivered and they want to touch it as little as possible and so if you can get all of the updates and all of the stuff away from your network it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. I think that speaks to an absolute truth, right? As we move more and more into the digital age, print is less and less important from in a lot of people's minds. It's still very central though, in a lot of ways. Um, what I see happening is instead of having maybe 10 or 15 printers for public consumption at every site, we may only have one or two uh, and they'll be used for special use cases when they're nece- when it's necessary. Uh, and where I see print in the enterprise really going uh, is more towards material printing rather than paper printing. 
So mm -hmm. I think in the next 10, 15, 20 years, rather than me printing out a document with the specifications for a, uh, a new dog food, let's say, right? I'm going to build those specifications in a program, send them over to my material printer, and my material printer will grab this much protein and this much whatever and build yeah. me a prototype of it right then and there. Um, and that will be central to the business. Um, other than that, in your factories, zebra printers for printing labels and things like that are always going to be essential. Um, at, at some point, someone has to label so, the product so that yeah. it can yeah, be yeah. found, right? Um, and I really see I really see things evolving in that way. And it would be interesting to see if everyone print could standardize uh, the the protocols on which these uh, these devices talk or come up with some sort of standard protocol. Um, Adobe did that for, for printers in the past, right? Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting if you guys could get in early, maybe. Pull that out of the public podcast and put that straight into R&D as a, as a private idea just for us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's interesting because exactly. I, I guess I think about print as being like this office thing. And I'm an office worker. And so I kind of, I see and I interact with print in a very typical way. Thinking about it from a manufacturing perspective, like there's a whole batch of printing that I never even think about. Like label printing is a huge piece of what you guys do. And, and you're right, it's core to your business. Whereas the office stuff, maybe for finance, it's core. But but beyond that, it's it's just a, like I prefer this medium to, to do my edits on. I'm going to use a pen instead of whatever. But um, exactly. it's inter interesting to think about the kind of use cases that you guys have and how manufacturing specifically is, it's, it's really a different set of print use cases um, and a whole extension of something you'd love to put into a cloud platform and, and also get rid of, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The Zebra printers are quite difficult to deal with, actually. Uh, they require a good amount of specific knowledge to set up and maintain. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that knowledge is, is not hard to find, I guess you could say, but it's difficult to gain. So... People who are new to it, across sites. yeah, yeah, yeah. People who are new to it really struggle with it. Um, as an example, at our Elizabethtown factory, we had a um, uh, we had to get some new zebra printers deployed. It took almost two months just to get them configured properly. Oh, wow! So, so tell me about deploying print, like deploying print services. I'm I'm thinking mostly about cloud-based services and stuff that you put onto the laptop or PC or whatever, but actually rolling out physical hardware like is that something you're connected to what, what are mars thinking about that stuff yeah um so physical devices is some or something that we've you know it's a necessary part of the <laughs> you can't print without a printer mm. um but, but um you guys go down like a managed print services route and so you've got someone that comes and takes care of that stuff or so the way that Mars is structured, each segment and each site within the segment has some level of autonomy. You can almost think of each segment as a uh, as a its own country, and each site as a state within that country. If you're thinking of it as, as like the United States, um, yeah. so it, they have a level of autonomy within themselves uh, to make the best decisions that they need to make in order to succeed. Uh, so print is one of those things that often falls under the site's discretion instead of the uh, segment or the business's discretion, mm -hmm. um, which makes some sense because a local vendor might be better here than there. Um, yeah. There are some site, uh, some segments have more uh, 
more control over it and more, they're more unilaterally um, decided. Yeah, yeah. It's pre-decided for them what they're going to pick. Um, but we, uh, we, it's different throughout the business. So uh, at some sites, the printers are wholly owned by Mars and they're supported by local site IT, my group. Um, okay. And by supported, I mean like we swap out, we swap out ink cartridges, we put paper in them, they go down, we call in a service guy, the whole, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and at most sites, it's a managed service though. So we, we do, we, we lease the printers and then we have someone who comes in to uh, maintenance them. We, usually someone that's on site still ends up changing the ink though. <laughs> sure, sure. There's there's always kind of a limit to MPS and how deep you can put that in in the business. Um, I'm I'm wondering if I can hit you for some kind of top tips. Like you're you're a significant part of running a print environment at a massive scale. Like tell tell me if if you're moving to another organization and you're maybe starting afresh. Like what are you thinking on managing print and, and how you would guide an organization? Don't ignore it. Make sure you come in with uh, your eyes open and listen to your end users. Um, so just because you think that print isn't necessarily very important, or maybe uh, even the majority of your users don't think print isn't necessarily important, doesn't mean that it isn't a critical part of your business. Um, you'll you'll regret it if you don't. <laughs> and and if you were if you were changing roles. Would you would you head straight down a cloud migration path again? Is it a priority for you to get this stuff into the cloud, or I would say so. Um, having the having again having it on site at every site doesn't make any sense, especially in a large organization. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're a five man site and and you know it, you can you can deploy a single server and probably never touch it again, and it'll be <laughs> and it'll print for you mm-hmm. forever. But uh, at scale. You know, even if 1% of our servers go down each month, that's still tens of printers. So there are tens of servers, I should say. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, I think when you hit that kind of scale, like the problem is just amplified and the business case becomes far clearer. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about the future of IT. So, so what's next? You guys are moving print into the cloud. Like how, how does that that tally, what does the next few years look like? Are there, are there other things on the list that you guys need to sort out? Yeah, uh, so we're, we're pretty far down um, this path of moving to the cloud, actually. So we've already closed uh, one of our major data centers and we're in the process of uh, taking a look at the last remaining one. Um, I can see probably in the next five years, uh, at least site IT's role, my role, further moving away from the daily uh, broke fix side of things. Mm-hmm. And moving more and more to a solutions partner, more or less. Uh, so instead of uh, people coming to me with broken laptops, they'll come to me with broken processes. And then I'll use technology to try and fill in those gaps that they have. Um, whether that means partnering with them for like a low or no code solution like uh, Power Apps, let's say, to, to develop an app that might fill a gap they have. Uh, or if it's just some training, uh, we have like we deliver Teams 3.0, and no one knows what mm-hmm. the what the doodly do button does. <laughs> and yeah. Maybe maybe yeah. that's something I have to I have to try and fill in. So we're we're going to be more like uh, business partners than IT guys moving out of the basement. I, th- I think that's really interesting to see how how the role of IT is changing and how cloud services are 
frankly, freeing up your time to be able to do more of that kind of stuff, right? Get closer to the business and, and work with them on the stuff that they care about. Exactly. Joe, it's been really great having you on. Uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for taking us inside Mars, giving us a bit of a context on the various challenges that come with a with print and a multinational like Mars. I'm sure there are some insights here that will be really valuable to the listeners. Um, and to the listeners, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Office Print Visionaries podcast. Um, there is more information at everyoneprint.com and any feedback gratefully received.